0: This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times.
1: The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments
2: that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently.
0: In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Esports is a good aberration. We're still moving forward. we part of something much bigger than the sport right now. The health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every
2: moment, I think we're all, from a business perspective, thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the
0: country. Bloomberg Business of Sports,
1: from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch.
0: And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports.
1: Big money swirling around the world of cards. So we are really excited to have a special guest joining us, Jason Mashra. He is the president of the trading card company, Upper Deck. Jason, really nice to have you with us.
2: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. So we were talking a little bit before we came on air here. This business is white hot. What happened? Why did we all of the sudden sort of collectively get so super into cards?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we were starting to see some growth starting in 2015, and it's been growing steadily since then. But what happened was the pandemic kind of, you know, trapped us all in our houses and and people started cleaning up and going through things. And a lot of people rediscovered their collection, and their love for collecting trading cards and collectibles.
0: What changed from your grandfather's days of collecting to (laughs) what happened today? What, what has changed in that span?
2: Well, you know, I think a lot of things have, have changed, you know, in, in 1989 upper deck, kind of changed a lot of perceptions on trading cards that things could be collectible and high-end and, and authentic, uh, but it's changed drastically along the way, and if, if somebody hasn't collected for 20, 30 years, you know, if you open up a pack of cards, you're very surprised to find autographs and and cards with pieces of jersey or you know uh, a piece of a golfer's glove things of that nature it really has evolved and become really really cool and really brings you closer to your your favorite athletes and actors and personalities Jason it's uh, Mike Lynch up in in Boston it seems like every organization the trading card organization has gravitated toward one uh, of the four major sports Um, how did you wind up with hockey well, you know, hockey has always been a a primary focus for us as as a company, and in, in Canada, Upper Deck has really become synonymous with with hockey, and, and and we love the sport, and have have always you know had great partnerships with the NHL and the NHLPA. Uh, so we've always been really heavily embedded with that sport,
1: and so. So, Jason, talk about the, the different sports, because, you know, you've worked across a, a lot of different sports over, over the course of your career. What is it that makes the card business different from from sport to sport? And, you know, I, I feel like growing up, you know, we probably all gravitated more toward baseball cards. Uh, basketball cards obviously have have become – Uh, a big thing that that folks talk about. Uh, Tell us about the the business as it varies from from pro sport to pro sport and and where you think that goes from here.
2: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I think what you see is you see a lot of similarities between baseball and hockey where you have a lot of traditional pure collectors, people who want to collect sets. They want to collect their teams. uh, They want to collect sets from year to year. It's very pure. In a lot of aspects where with some of the other sports like basketball and football, it becomes about kind of pulling the hot card, Mm. you know, making a lot of money, kind of speculating on the rookies year to year because, you know, specific positions and players can have such a, a impact year to year. People like to speculate and kind of try to find that next great breakout star and, and try to make money on a, on a quick flip. So the, the sports are different in the way people collect them and, and, and trade the cards.
0: Digital cards, that that is huge, <laughs> huge, huge. Can you expand more on that?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. So digital trading cards ha, have been around for quite some time now. I want to say probably eight, nine, ten years um, and everybody's taken a little different stance on a strategy of where they want to go. Uh, some of the companies have gone to kind of purely digital uh, trading card experiences like apps. For us, we, we saw an opportunity to, to use digital technology to deliver physical trading cards to, to people. So we created a platform in 2015 called UpperDeckEPAC.com where you can actually go on the website, open a pack of cards. It's a real pack of cards. So if you, you know, you pull a really cool, you know, Connor McDavid autograph card or a Wayne Gretzky autograph card, you can actually have it shipped to your house within 24 hours. It's a real card. The card that you see is real. But you also have the ability to you know, trade with collectors across the globe, put sets together and really have fun with it. We reward people for collecting sets and and doing things on the site. But at the end of the day, it's represented digitally, but it's real physical cards, which is kind of a blending of the, you know, the digital and physical
0: world. So, you
2: know, everybody has a a different take and a different strategy with where things are going.
0: Jason, how do you determine the value of a card?
2: you don't determine the value, the the market determines the value. I think it's like, you know, any collectible, it's what somebody is willing to pay for it. So it really comes down to, you know, somebody, you know, pulling that Wayne Gretzky autograph card and then putting it up for sale and seeing what somebody will pay for it at that point.
1: So talking about value leads naturally to something you alluded to earlier in the conversation Jason which is this whole idea of speculators you you've had people just right. pour into this market across the board you know in in various uh in various sports including uh Hockey, especially it feels like uh, in basketball, you know, we've all, you know, heard about the, the fabled, uh, you know, LeBron rookie cards and, and the value that these are, those sorts of cards are, are drawing. What's the net effect of all this speculation? Is it just noise or does it fundamentally change the business from your perspective?
2: Well, you know, speculators in any market are are a short term phenomenon. You know, speculators go where they think they can make money for a given amount of time. So what we've seen is it's really boosted values and secondary market sales in the short term beyond, you know, what the normal rate of return are for those trading cards or, or those collectibles. Uh, As speculators kind of move from market to market, you know, you'll see kind of a return to normalcy in a lot of cases. With that being said, though, um, the best of the best always seems to accumulate in value. You know, the LeBron James rookie cards, the Michael Jordan rookie cards, the Tiger Woods rookie cards, the Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. Those are legends. Those are historical cards. Those always tend to go up. It's really the, the second tier, the third tier, the... You know, the the rookie or the second-year player that everybody is kind of chasing and driving value up on, those are the ones that are, I would say, more risky or short-term kind of speculation plays in a lot of cases.
0: So let's say I have a rookie Mike Lynch card, and all uh-huh. of a sudden, bam, I realize this thing is worth $100,000, but it's not like that where I hope just to catch one card. A lot of people are coming in the market hoping to sell shares of that one card because you know <laughs> that card is worth something. Can you expand on that?
2: Well, you know, you've, you've seen this rise in fractional ownership in the market over the last couple years because most <laughs> people can't afford a you know $5 million LeBron James card right that's not something that the masses can afford so the fractional ownership allows people to buy a share of that card similar that that you would buy a, a stock in a company because most people can't afford to buy you know microsoft right so you know you can buy a piece of it and it's the same effect and especially again those those legendary cards um, those are the ones that will continue to accumulate. There's no chance that the LeBron James rookie card um, from Exquisite is going to come down to a price where everybody can afford it. So that's where we've seen uh, the opportunity for some of those those fractional buying opportunities. So Jason, if I if you wanted to walk into a, a drugstore, a, in a pharmacy, and try to buy a pack of uh, Upper Deck cards, is that impossible these days? Well, you know, you, you actually shouldn't have a problem finding upper deck cards. Um, you know, uh, the team here has done a really good job of, you know, keeping track of what's going on in the market. Uh, they've done a great job of basically just producing below market demand. You know, you, as a collectible, you don't want to be over demand because then it's not worth anything. Uh, but we haven't seen the, the same type of issues that some of the other um, products and, and licenses have. So um, you should be able to find some Upper Deck stuff out there. With that being said, it's not easy. <laughs> it, it is it is exciting right now because people are very excited about trading cards. And um, you know when they see them, they will buy them. Um, but you should be able to find... You know any of the upper deck cards, whether it's golf or hockey or marble. Um, most places that you would shop for trading cards.
0: Do I have to go to a hobby shop, or
2: or I, can you buy it in retail? So that's a great question. So we we view we have um, three distinct channels um, that are our main channels. So uh, the normal trading card store that that is our bread and butter will always be our bread and butter. Uh, we always encourage people to to go to their trading card shop because they can learn all the nuances, uh, of trading cards. We also sell into mass retail. So, you know, target Walmart, Meyer, um, Dick Sporting goods, all kind of the normal retail channels. And then upper deck com is kind of that place where you can buy 24 hours a day, seven, seven days a week. And then, you know, one of the things that I think has been very unique about the way we've approached it and, and we think really helped drive the growth of this thing starting in 2015 is we try to make trading cards available through promotional partners around the globe. Uh, we have a program that we run with Tim Hortons in Canada every year that has gotten millions of packs into kids' hands and families' hands, which I think is very important. Uh, we've run report promotions with uh Marvel uh, with DVDs and putting trading card packs and DVDs we've run programs with Haynes um, there was a there was a program we did a couple years ago with Haynes with Marvel, and with Michael Jordan and people were running around buying underwear like crazy to get Michael Jordan cards so <laughs> you know we, we try to make trading cards as available as we possibly can because for us it's it's a fun hobby it's something you can do it's it's a very pure. Um, family hobby, something you can share with your kids. So, you know, we we try to hit every channel we can.
1: So, Jason, talk to us about sort of the broader world of collectibles, because you guys are are not just limited, as I understand it, to cards. Obviously, that's your main business. But the broader collectibles world, the you know, the jerseys, the autographed, um, you know, sporting gear and and all of that stuff. How does this business grow? How does it expand? and, And where do you see it? Sort of look around the corner for us
2: yeah so in 1991 upper deck started authenticated memorabilia division called upper deck authenticated and in a lot of the the challenges that upper deck was founded on for trading cards where there were a lot of forgeries and counterfeits was the same thing that the the founders saw with autographed memorabilia so for the last 30 years we've had this authenticated process we call it a, a five-step process uh that you know gives collectors a uh, peace of mind that when they buy something that's upper deck authenticated, it, it really is real. And what we've seen, especially in the last three to four years, especially as the trading cards have accumulated in value, is all of a sudden, there's a huge demand for you know authentic signed memorabilia as well, uh, for a couple reasons. One, uh, everybody wants to decorate their home office now, so they have something really cool in the background for Zoom
1: meetings. <laughs> right?
2: that, that's an that,
1: you're so right about that. That's a, that is not a market that people that is a pandemic market that people probably didn't anticipate. I love that.
2: Right, and then and then the other thing is is that when you look at the way card values and some of the other markets and collectibles have. Um, Risen over the last couple of years, all of a sudden a signed Michael Jordan jersey or a signed Wayne Gretzky jersey looks like a bargain compared to some of the trading cards. I mean, you can, you can buy that exquisite LeBron James rookie card for $5.2 million, or you can buy an autographed jersey or an autographed photo for a few thousand dollars, right, and, and have it on your wall and display it and have it on your Zoom meeting. So all of a sudden, authenticated memorabilia kind of looks like a bargain
0: how a card is rated is insane today it's it's i i can get a magnifying glass look at a card is like oh yeah that's centered <laughs> no it's not like that the guy who rates the card i mean we're talking like by the width of a hair for it to be centered yeah,
2: you know, grading is an interesting thing. Um, you know, a lot of people think it's a new phenomenon. It's It's been around 20-plus years. And I think the dilemma that a lot of collectibles have is, okay, if I go on to eBay or I go to uh, another source uh, digitally, how do I know what that condition is, right? Like, I don't have it in my hand. I'm not seeing it firsthand. And a lot of times uh, trying to judge the condition of a collectible is very subjective, right? So the seller and the, and the buyer can differ. And I think what the grading card companies do is it gives everybody some level of consistency or assurance of, hey, this, this card is in the condition, you know, uh, it's in a mint condition or it's in a near mint condition. And while greater grading is still a, a human uh, element to it, There is kind of that third-party objective clarifier that, hey, when I buy this off of eBay or an auction, this is the condition that it's in. And I think it helps give people peace of mind when they're they're buying, especially a high-value item. Jason, I'm looking on your website here, and you have some uh, Michael Jordan autographed shoes. So obviously you're much more than just trading cards. Yeah, so, you know, we have a a wonderful portfolio of exclusive spokespeople um, from Michael to LeBron, Gretzky, uh, Tiger Woods, Connor McDavid, Ben Simmons. And, you know, again, it's important for these athletes to make sure that their fans have access to authenticated uh, and authentic autographed items. So, you know, we offer a full portfolio, whether it's jerseys, photos, Shoes, um, gloves, helmets, you know, depending on the sport, of authentic signed items from the world's greatest athletes.
1: All right. Well, it's been really, really good uh, catching up with you. We really appreciate the time. Jason Mashra is the president at Upper Deck, trading cards and much more, as we just heard. Uh, really appreciate the time. Good luck. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on this very, very hot business.
0: <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports, And I'm Mike Lynch. You can find me at LynchyWCVB. I'm Jason Kelly.
1: Find me at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and
0: sports. Happy holidays. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world, and online, wherever you get your podcasts.